Good morning and welcome to the latest edition of the Estate Agents podcast. And the topic that's hot on everybody's lips at the moment is a word that I've tried to avoid in my office as much as possible, but it is Brexit. Um, We've listened to uh, our audience, haven't we, uh, Stephen? We have, we have. And I'm very excited because we have got Roger Martin Fagg, who is a behavioural economist, who in a second will explain what that actually means. <laughs> Unless you know, Andy. No idea. But what I do want to know is, uh, has he got the answers to the questions that are on many people's lips at the moment? And um, Roger, uh, please introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, good morning. Uh, yes, I'm a behavioural economist, which means I don't accept the assumption that mainstream economists make about us as human beings. Uh, mainstream economists assume that people most of the time behave rationally. And I've never met a rational human being yet. And as you're in the housing market, you'll know how that works. Um, So a behavioural economist says you've got to look at people's instincts, their emotions, uh, the way the media influences the decisions they take. And one of the classic examples of behavioural economics is something called anchoring. An anchoring is where someone has in their head a bit of data, a fact, true or false, and with that fact, they value any new information. So as estate agents will know, they're asked to value a house, and the owner says, oh, no, 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 it's worth more than that. And the agent says, well, the market's moved, sir or madam. And the owner says, oh, no, I read in the Daily Mail six months ago that house prices in this area are rising 10%. It's that classic example. That's anchoring. So what we do when we forecast, we are usually um, broadly right, whereas mainstream economists are always precisely wrong. (laughs) I agree and I remember we've known each other for about 10-12 years and I remember some fantastic advice you gave to me um, 10 or 11 years ago so I'm incredibly grateful um, regarding my mortgage so so thank you and thank you for your explanation so um, my my first question is um, loads of agents are feeling disheartened at the moment a bit there being a perceived lack of confidence in the UK um, property market can you or will you um, offer any reassurance well first of all of course if you'd listen to what's coming out of Westminster you would lose confidence in everything British at the moment <laughs> and I think that's the core issue so let's look at what's actually happening Uh, House prices across the UK are still rising. Uh, Those people who are unfortunate enough to be in the uh, East Midlands uh, and the East of England, uh, that's not the case. Prices uh, on the latest data actually fell by just about 1%. That's for uh, flats and maisonettes. But if you look at detached houses, even detached houses in the East uh, Midlands rose by just over 2% in December, according to the Land Registry. And that's the, that's the index I use. I, I don't believe the Halifax or the Nationwide. 
because their indexes don't look at the final selling price. They're the price requested when asking for a mortgage. But I think the reason why there is a lack of confidence, a lack of confidence is in July last year, uh, half the major banks led by Barclays tightened up their mortgage rules. And I've heard on the street that Barclays actually asked their um, surveyors to drop the valuation by up to 20%. And that is because the banks have been, uh, were and still are very scared of a hard Brexit. Let's talk about that awful B word then, um, Roger. You've um, you mentioned in your intro their yep. media influence. Now, um, I like many estate agents at the moment probably begrudge the hundred and fifty pounds license fee that we have to pay for the BBC. Um, other channels are available uh, because every time I seem to turn on the news at the moment, it's doom and gloom. Um, how can we reinstate confidence into? Um, our audience, our potential consumers. Yes, yes, you're back. Um, oh, how yeah. can we reinstate confidence? Hello, Roger. How can we reinstate Andrew? confidence into our audience? Stephen. Hi, I'm sorry, Hi, uh, you disappeared just as soon as you started asking that question. Uh, okay. and it was it was such okay. a challenging question, Please that's why. Excuses. It was about the media and to... the BBC. <laughs> Are you there? Yeah, I think, Stephen, you're probably going to need to restart. Okay, keep going. Yeah, okay. we're ready uh, to so, after. Uh, could you ask a question again? Okay, here we go. Um, that's a really interesting point. And just to touch on that, um, Roger, uh, you mentioned in your intro media. Hello. Okay, yes, so Stephen. I'll ask a question because I think Andrew's having some, or Roger, you're having some difficulties I listening you, to yeah. Andrew, but can you hear me? Okay, so the yeah. question was basically about the media. Um, and, you know, there's so much, um, I, I suppose, yeah. only bad news sells newspapers um, and sells information. And actually, if you look at the hard facts um, yeah. with what's with what's going on um, at the moment, there's yeah. interest rates are low. Um, wages are yeah. um, pretty good from what my understanding yeah. is. Inflation is low. Um, so actually there is plenty of good news there. Um, how can you, how can we as estate agents, trainers deliver that, um, to the general public and all our customers when they're hearing all this and reading well, and listening to all this negative news? I think the simple answer to that is, uh, there's very little you can do, uh, because if you do put a positive slant on things, uh, your customers will say, well, you would say that, wouldn't you? And I think this is where everyone is so firmly anchored. And this is what's happened in the last two years. The media have actually painted a picture of chaos. And Westminster's done nothing, nothing at all to 
to change that view in the minds of people. So I think what we need to do is just get the 29th of March next month over with, and then I think things will become more positive in that there will be at least a two-year line of sight for everybody. Uh, so I don't think there is much you can do in the next six weeks. I think we have to get to the 29th of March and then it will be better to, well, if we crash out, which I don't think will happen, but if we do crash out, then we can paint a miserable picture. You know, all the misery will have been proven correct. If the withdrawal deal goes through, which I think it will, then we've got line of sight and I am sure there'll be a more positive mood coming out of Westminster and from the media. Okay. See, I've been asked this on a number of occasions, um, Stephen and Roger, and my view is that uh, people will wake up on the 30th of March. Night will turn into day. Day will turn into okay. night. Andy, I don't think Roger can hear you. So, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> Fine. So, um, should so uh, there's still there's yep. still people that are buying. There's still people that are selling at the moment. Um, should you know what should agents be saying to these people when they go there um you know should people be putting their life on hold um to the 29th of march because you know let's face it yeah. unfortunately um there's deaths people yeah. um get divorced people move jobs have babies etc etc so um you know, there's still opportunities. And what's really interesting for me, um, I've got some agents that are having record months. So in fact, um, a couple of messages already this morning saying that February could be their best ever February ever from a couple of agents. So it's it's very mixed. Yep. Now, I think they're of a mindset that there's still business to be done. Whereas yeah. some agents are out there, well, oh my God, it's all doom and gloom. You know, what's going to happen? We just better wait. Um but if, you know, if a vendor says to me, right, actually, you know, am I better off waiting to the 29th of March? Should actually I say, yes, you are. Or should I say, well, depends on, you know, depends on your circumstances. Don't put your life on hold. Um, you know, one of yeah. the things I wanted to say to you is about property cycles. Um, you know, obviously, yep. being a behavioural economist, you know a lot about the cycles and what's happened. And yep. you know, over the years, you've seen it's a bit of a, a roller coaster. So you know, we hit a cycle, prices go down. Um, you know, again this morning, an article's yeah. come up where Chestertons have called it right. at the bottom of a market. Um, so who's right? Who's wrong? And are there still opportunities out there? Okay, great. First of all, uh, lots of people in the last three months have been saying to me, look, I'm looking to buy a house, should I buy it? And I always say, can you afford it? Do you like it? Can you self see yourself living there? And they say yes to all those questions. I say, well, get on and buy it then. Um, and then they say, yeah, but what, what if it goes down in price? And I say, okay, so how long are you planning to live there? And they say, oh, well, probably five, six, you know, and the average is seven years. I say, well, get in there. What, what is your problem? Uh, it is true that uh, I think in terms of the cycle, we are just on the plateau at the top of the cycle. 
So there will be a period of slower or possibly zero growth in this next 18 months. Because when you are at the top of the cycle, there's always the downturn. So if you're a vendor, I would say, get it done. Even if you're not going to get exactly the price you think your house is worth, uh, you'll have made enough gain in the last five years anyway. So I know you can't say this to your vendors, but don't be greedy and you will get it sold. And it's also fair to say, isn't it, Roger, that the gap will be um, not, not, as, not as great on their onward purchase. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I have a real problem with the British being absolutely uh, mesmerised by house prices. I mean, a house is where you live and bring up your family. It's, you cannot view it as the sole biggest investment you make financially, although people do, and it's a mistake. Brilliant. Well, look, I think there's some fantastic advice there. So, you know, can you afford it? Do you like it? And can you see yourself living there? Um, if, yeah. if, if your answer's um, yes to all three questions, then people should be um, making offers and buying it. Um, and Andy, you're 100% right. You know, it is definitely relative. Um, so, you know, if prices drop by 10% and you're upsizing, then actually you're going to be better off. Exactly. Absolutely. That marginal gap is, um, is, is decreasing, isn't it? So I've uh, had a listener um, question uh, text to me in the last couple of days, um, mm -hmm. Roger, and it says, um, it simply says this, if we believe that we are at the peak of a market or the plateau of a market yeah. now, by what percentage do you perceive the market may cushion okay. by? Right, let's take the worst case scenario. Let's let's assume that for whatever reason we crash out uh on the 29th of March. Then I do believe that across the country over a year we could see pr average prices falling by up to 10%. Uh we'll see that's not so bad given the capital growth over the last 10 years in my area property prices for a house like mine, have increased fifty three percent in the last ten years. So that's that's um, that's that's not, not um, insurmountable, is it? Absolutely right, Andrew. It is not. Uh, but I don't think we are going to crash out. I think uh, we will get that deal. And if I look at the the money supply data, that would suggest uh, if money supply grows at the rate it is right now, that over this next year, the worst case scenario is zero price growth well that's not as doom and gloom as the bbc would have us believe is it <laughs> well there we go you see the beeb has got to get airtime and you get airtime if you i mean imagine someone on the beeb saying well we've looked at the data and you know what things are quite a lot better than you would really think they are and I should imagine a great deal of people will say, well, the government's told the BBC to say that. You know, the mistrust is massive in the media right now. Absolutely. And good news doesn't sell uh, stories, does it? No. Roger, can we just go on to the um, rental market now? Yeah. Um, so 
I'm a landlord. Um, government seems to be um, discriminating against buy-to-let investors. Um, I've got a rental portfolio. Um, should, you know, with all the different legislation changes going on, um, should I be selling my rental portfolio? Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming, Stephen, that uh, your rental portfolio is being run by a registered company. Um, it's not me again. This is a listener question, okay. so don't have it. Don't okay. have the answer. I think we well, have to assume that they are employing the services of a, a professional letting agent, wouldn't we? Ah, well, I, I think that's one thing. But are they in a company name yeah. or are they as an individual? Because if they're in an individual, the government wants to clear them out because the Inland Revenues discovered that around forty percent. It's an estimate but around 40% of individuals are actually avoiding tax and the government wants to stop that. That's why it changed the rules on mortgage uh, interest. If you're a limited company or a registered business, you can claim uh, tax relief on the borrowings that the business has. If you're an individual, you can't. And I think it's to make the letting market uh, on the uh, provider's side, professional. And uh, yeah, as a behavioural economist, I think from every point of, everybody's point of view, that is a good idea. But, you know, okay. if, if you've got a portfolio, uh, it should be yielding you around 5%, which is better than you're going to get on deposit, and it's better than the yield on a, a selection of shares. At the back of that, you're over time going to get some capital growth. So what's not to like? Okay. So if you're a landlord out there or you're speaking to your landlords, um, listen to that. Great advice. Again, um, just a couple of final questions, yeah. if that's okay. Um so without trying to put you on the spot, and I know you're not a financial advisor, but you did give me great financial advice <laughs> 11, 12 years ago. I can, get, I can get taken to court. <laughs> then fine. You know, I won't ask whether I should have a – I won't ask whether I should have a – I should be fixing my mortgage, remortgaging now if my, if my um, mortgage is coming to an end because, again, you know, that's a question that as agents um, – Yes, we, you know, financially we put them in touch with a mortgage broker to answer yeah. that question. Um, but we do tend to get well, asked those questions. You, uh, I can make a comment on the basis of it's purely education rather than constituting professional advice. Fantastic. <laughs> on, Thank you. Education will be basis, great. Uh, if you look at the money supply data, uh, then unless it increases, there w there's no way interest rates this year will go up in the UK. Uh, if we crash out, and again, I think the probability of that is very low, interest rates will initially fall for about six months, and then they will begin to rise, even though the economy will be struggling. Because the interest rate increase will be required to bring sterling up from the debts because a crashing out will probably take sterling down to $1.10, $1.15, and that will be hugely inflationary. So 
let's assume we don't crash out, which I think is a reasonable assumption, then uh, money supply data says no increase in rate this year. Probably next year, a uh, quarter of 1%, but nothing amazing. So should you fix? Uh, depends on your time period. Um, and it depends on your circumstances. I think if you take a five-year view and you can get money fixed at around 2%, then I would do that. But if you're only looking at two years, I think I wouldn't. That's really interesting advice. So just to really put you on the spot then, Roger, and there's no point having an economist on here, particularly a behavioural economist, if we, um, if, if we don't really um, put the thumbscrews on, where do you see interest rates in five and ten years' time? Is it possible to predict that? Well, I think it even? is. Uh, in five years' time, uh, I think, right, well, we need to go back a bit. What, what drives global interest rates is America. And American rates are running at 2.75, and they've been held in the last three months, but they will rise throughout the mid-end of this year because America is overheating. And I suspect America will go into recession around 2021. So as the world generally with a lag follows the USA, I think we can expect a drift up of global rates, not this year, but next year. So in three years time, I would suspect our base rate will be around 1.25. And then if you take five years out, we'll probably be closer to around two. But that is a huge guesstimate because everything can change so quickly <laughs> at the moment. Do you ever foresee that we'll see those dizzy heights of 15 16% no. again? That's a huge relief because I took out a large mortgage last year. <laughs> and on that note, Roger, um, I think we've gained some really interesting insights then. Is it a good time to buy? Yes, it is. Is it a good time to sell? If it suits your circumstances, are interest rates likely to remain um, affordable yeah. for the foreseeable? Yes, they are. Do we feel we're heading for a global recession imminently? No. And do we think that we're heading for a hard Brexit? So we're going to hold you personally Thank accountable you. for all of those, Roger. Um, and uh, on behalf of <laughs> Stephen and myself, it's thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. Um, really, really okay. appreciate it. Really appreciate giving out your time um, and such fantastic advice. So thank you very much. And um, once again, thank you, everybody, for listening to um, this episode. Um, if you've liked it and enjoyed it, please do rate us and review us. Um, it's great that we're getting so many reviews and so many five-star ratings, and we really appreciate it. So thanks very much, and have a great, fantastic day, everybody. Thanks. Bye, Bye Andy. Thanks. Bye now. Take care.